thank you, Jamie, for praying, and thank you, musicians. It's nice to see some of the recent college students back. Uh, so welcome back. And to all of you who are uh, visiting family and friends, all of the, the newer people here on behalf of Park Church, again, welcome. We're glad you're here. My name is Andy Newberry, and I'm a part of the teaching ministry here at Park Church. And it's my privilege to get to uh, be a part of the Let There Be series that we've been doing. And today we're going to consider how God lets there be peace. Now, I know that during this time of year, even though it's supposed to be really peaceful, for many of us this season, well, it's anything less than peaceful. And so to help us with that, to set the tone this morning, we're going to do things a little bit differently. We're going to begin with just a bit of meditation. And for some of us, when we think about meditation, we may think of it primarily as emptying ourselves. But this morning, I want us to think of meditation as filling ourselves, as taking a moment to fill ourselves with truth from God's word. And so we're going to look at this passage here, coming from Psalm 46, be still and know that I am God. So here's how we're going to meditate. Here's how we're going to do this. We're going to take 30 seconds, and we're just going to take the time to repeat these words to ourselves. Now, for some of you, maybe you've never really meditated or intentionally meditated before. So my suggestion on how to do this is simply this. Just repeat the sentence several times to yourself. Each time you repeat it, try stressing a different word each time. And as you stress a different word each time, consider the implication of that word. And so we're just going to collectively take about 30 seconds to do this. So let's just meditate on these words. Be still and know that I am God. What would it look like for you to be still? What parts of you are longing to be at rest this morning? What would it look like for your external circumstances to become calm? What would it look like for your inner self for your thoughts, your emotions, your beliefs, to be at a state of peace? And how might it help you to right now to be still and to know that God is God? For me, as I've taken time for self-reflection, I realize that one of the reasons why I have a hard time being still is that I have certain control issues um, and maybe some of you do as well, but these control issues, they often lead me to take on responsibilities that aren't truly mine. 
You see, I have a level of OCD where I like things to be a very particular way, and that's coupled with a level of pride that causes me to think that there are things that I can fix that I can't actually fix. And maybe some of you are dealing with issues like this as well, believing that you have the responsibility to adjust, to tweak, to control the environment, even the people around you, to meet your personal preferences. And so for me, having such control issues has led me to take on jobs and to take on projects that, to be honest, I'm just not that good at. Uh, so for example, I have a particular set of skills that I've developed in my personal and professional life, but plumbing is not one of them. <laughs> um, so some years ago, uh, two buddies of mine and I, we were renting this old house. And when we were renting this old house, uh, the radiators did not work that well, and it was perpetually cold. And I just, I got so tired of being cold in, in my room. And so I had heard that uh, sometimes for radiators, they can get air caught up in there, and that if you can find the little valve and let out some of the air, you can release, you can bleed the air out of the radiators, and it'll work more efficiently, and that should fix things. And so uh, I thought, okay, how hard could this be? Uh, I, I can handle this. And so um, also at this point in my life, I was kind of a night owl. And so one night, it's a little after midnight, I'm in my bedroom, I'm shivering, I'm just frustrated with being cold, and I thought, okay, that's it. I'm fixing the radiators right now. And I'll start in the bathroom, you know, just in case anything happens, but I'll start there. And so I grabbed a pair of pliers, and I had this vague notion of what I was supposed to do, and I say, tonight I'm gonna fix it. And so um, I get to the radiator, I put my hand on it, I see that, okay, this side is warm, the rest of it's cold, so there's probably a lot of air in there. So then I look around and I find at the bottom, there's that little valve that I heard was there. And so I take the pliers and I turn it, and ever so faintly I could hear slight gasp of air coming out. Success! This is so easy. I totally can do this, I think. Uh, <laughs> I know. Uh, and, and so I wait for a few minutes, you know, expecting the radiator to heat up quickly and this is going to go great. And I'm waiting. And I'm waiting. I'm looking at my watch and I'm thinking, man, this is taking a long time. I, I want to speed up this process. I know what I'll do. I'll turn this screw some more. So I get down, turn the screw some more. Oh, more air is coming out. This is good. Feeling the radiator? It's working, but it's really slow. It's late. I want to go to bed soon. So I think, okay, turning that screw some more worked the first time. It worked the second time. Clearly, we all know what to do, right? I'm just going to turn this some more. Uh, now, now, I remind you, the premise to this story is doing jobs that we're not good at. Um, so I turn the screw some more, and the whole contraption falls off. And now, lots of air is coming out. And the radiator is heating up very quickly. And something I did not expect all of a sudden happened, as all of this blackened, nasty, steaming hot, sooty water comes blasting out of the radiator like a miniature fire hydrant, ricocheting off the wall, spraying all over me. Oh no. Does not really qualify uh, to summarize what I was thinking at that moment, but um, I think to myself, oh no, oh no, what am I gonna do? Okay, uh, do, do, do I wake up my roommates and ask for help? Do I, do I go to the basement and, and shut off the valve for the radiator system? Where is the valve to the radiator system? Why didn't I think of any of this beforehand? What was I thinking? So as I'm panicking there, I grab the pliers, 
And I tried to put the thing back on. It's burning hot, but I managed to finally like, get the little screw thing back in the valve, and I managed to stem the tide of that black, hot, sooty, nasty, burning water. And I sit there and I look, and the bathroom, I mean, it is a mess. I mean, there is water, disgusting, brackish, nasty water everywhere, all over the toilet, the towels, one of my roommate's toothbrushes. <laughs> it was gross. Um, and I realized, man, I, I thought this job was gonna be a lot simpler. I thought I knew what I was doing. And so I took on this job that I thought I could do, but I couldn't. And I made a giant mess of things. And maybe for some of you, you've had something, I hope not the same, <laughs> but maybe you've had, you know, you found yourself in a similar situation where you thought you could do this job. You thought you could do this project. You felt responsible for, to do something that you didn't actually know how to do. And in your best efforts and pride, you went in and you did it, and you ended up just making a bigger mess of things than you expected. Um, for all of us, we've had times where we found ourselves in over our heads. And when we do, we feel frustrated, we feel angry, we feel anxious, we're annoyed at ourselves and irritable towards others. Anytime that we take on a job that we think we can do, only to find out that we can't, it's frustrating, it's humbling. But admitting that we're trying to do a job that we can't do, admitting that we're not really in control of the situation in the, thought, in the way that we thought we did, admitting that can really help us to find peace. And so at this time of year, as we're surrounded by Christmas cards and Christmas carols, all extolling the virtue of peace on earth, so many of us, though, aren't experiencing peace. And I think one of the root causes for the fact that we're not experiencing peace is that we're placing these expectations on ourselves to do work, to do a job that only God can do. We need to re remind ourselves of these words, to be still and to know that I am God, that God is God, and that we are not. If you've been struggling to find peace, you're not alone. Many of us here today are right there with you. And even in Jesus' day, some of his followers struggled to find peace. And so we're going to look at a short story from the Bible, from the book of Matthew, and we're going to consider some of the ways that Jesus brings peace. So in Matthew 8, we read this. And when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. A windstorm arose on the sea, so great that the boat was being swamped by the waves, but he was asleep. And they went and woke him up, saying, Lord, save us, we're perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? And then he got up and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was dead calm. They were amazed, saying, What sort of man is this? that even the winds and the sea obey him. This story begins with the followers of Jesus following Jesus into the boat. And I think this is kind of neat because some of these, fisher, some of these disciples were fishermen. So the boat that Jesus gets into is probably one of their boats, which means that Jesus engages his followers right where they are. He engages them in a familiar situation. And so for the disciples, at least the disciples who were fishermen, 
they would probably feel about as comfortable and as safe as possible. I mean, they're with Jesus, they're following Jesus, and they're on their home turf. But even while they're in that seemingly safe place, suddenly a storm arose. In the midst of their regular lives, something unexpected and out of their control happened, and it began to overwhelm them. And I imagine for these fishermen, these disciples who were used to this, the storm would have to be pretty bad for a group of people who have spent their whole professional lives on the water. That storm would have to be pretty bad for them to get scared. And maybe something like that has happened to you, where you've been in a familiar place, doing the right things, uh, doing your best work, and then all of a sudden, something began to overwhelm you. Uh, something, some sudden storm arose and seemed to swamp you. And I have to admit, as I was reading this, there's this little critic in the back of my head that thought, well, you know, storms at sea, that's, that's not exactly something rare or unusual, is it? Um, shouldn't these guys have been at least moderately prepared for something like this? And then I remembered all the times that I was caught unprepared by something that wasn't exactly an unusual or rare event. And I realized that that's just human nature. Um, we all know that storms happen, but it's different when storms happen to us. And in that moment, these disciples found themselves in a storm happening to them. And so as that storm continued to overwhelm them, the boat's taking on water, and the disciples, they get scared. But what's Jesus doing? He's at rest. He's at peace. But not the disciples. They're, they're in a panic. They wake up Jesus and, and ask him to save them. And notice his response. Before he addresses the storm on the waters, he addresses the storm in their hearts. Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? And so after addressing the disciples, I love this, he gets up in the boat. Who gets up in a boat? Who stands up in a boat? For all of you, for any of you who've ever been in a boat, you know that standing up in a boat, even in calm waters, is a tricky situation. Imagine that you're in the midst of a windstorm at sea, and you see some guy who's not a professional fisherman decide to stand up. That's what Jesus does. On a little wooden boat, in the middle of a stormy sea, Jesus stands up. And he speaks to the wind and to the waves. And the wind and the waves back down. I wonder what words Jesus said to the storm. For the purposes of this sermon series, it would be awesome if he said, let there be peace. Um, but what about you? What are the storms that you are currently facing? To what storms would you like Jesus to stand up and cry out, let there be peace? Because maybe for some of you right now, you are facing some type of external storm. Maybe you're facing some toxic situation in your work life or in your home life. For some of you, maybe you've had this experience. You, you are constantly forced to interact with someone who is just sucking all of the joy and all of the life out of you, one dreary conversation at a time. Or maybe for some of you, you're in a job that you just can't stand. 
and maybe you find yourself not wanting to go to bed at night because you know that when you wake up, you're gonna have to go back to the job that you can't stand. Or for maybe some of you, you're in a relationship where you're just constantly walking on eggshells, where you find yourself trying to rationally love somebody who is being irrational. Or maybe for some of you, your external storms came in the form of some unexpected bad news. Maybe a health issue, a family issue, or a job issue. Because when you get bad news from your doctor, when you get bad news from your lawyer, when you get bad news from your boss, it can be devastating. And in those moments when you get that unexpected bad news, we're reminded of just how small and how not in, in control we really are. And maybe there's others of us here this morning who are facing more internal storms. And the way that you are wired is driving you crazy. Maybe for some of us, those internal storms, it's this daily bout of depression and anxiety that makes you just want to shut down and throw in the towel. Maybe for some of us, that internal storm makes us feel overwhelmed by these expectations that we've been placing on ourselves from taking on too many commitments, which then causes us to fear letting other people down, which then causes us to obsess over our past decisions and our mistakes. And maybe for some of us, those internal storms are coming because of the way that somebody we trusted hurt us. And maybe for some of us, those storms are because we hurt somebody who trusted us. And for some of us, maybe we're wallowing in the disappointment of unmet expectations, or we're living in a constant fear of an uncertain future. Whatever the storms we face, it is natural to want to fix everything to want to take control and to call out to the wind and the waves, be still. But that rarely works out well in the long run, does it? When we find ourselves overwhelmed, either externally or internally, our best hope for peace doesn't lie in our best efforts to play God. We can try to control situations. We can try to control people. But eventually we have to recognize that the control that we think we have, it's just an illusion. Only God is truly in control. When we get into a pattern of thinking that it's up to us to fix everything, that it's up to us to set everything right, then we're placing God-sized expectations on ourselves. And whenever we place God-sized expectations on ourselves, we forfeit peace. I remember the first time that I clearly realized that I was doing a job that was meant just for God alone. I was sitting at a funeral, um, an exceptionally sad funeral, for a young man who had taken his own life. Um, and this was a young man who I just loosely knew, but I had given some spiritual care to. And he... Uh, he had not just taken his own life, but he had actually been planning on taking the lives of a few other people first, but had been thwarted. And so I'm sitting there in this church, 
contemplating all of this, and I am feeling a million different emotions. I am sad. I am overwhelmed. I'm angry. I'm confused. What am I supposed to think of all this? And in that moment, I realized that I can't wrap my head around this. This is too big for me. This is something that only God can assess and that only God can judge. This was a God-sized job, and finding peace was not going to come from me being clever and figuring out how I could assess and judge this situation. Finding peace came from trusting in God, who alone is good enough and wise enough and powerful enough to assess the situation and to make things right in the midst of that tragedy. I realized that we can judge a person's action, but only God can judge a heart. When we judge people, not just their actions, we're doing a job that only God can do. When we feel the weight of our own brokenness and we try to redeem ourselves through a lifetime of self-improvement and performance, all to prove ourselves, we're forgetting the work that Jesus has done to give us value. We're forgetting the work of redemption that Jesus has already completed. We're in those moments when we blame ourselves because we couldn't change someone or save someone from themselves. We're forgetting and disregarding that person's autonomy, and we're forgetting that only God can truly change a heart. And while I'm stressing this point that in the midst of our storms, control is just an illusion, I don't mean to imply that there is nothing that we can do. There are often many helpful things that we can do in a storm, but what I want us to think on this morning is this. I want us to recalibrate the expectations that we are placing on ourselves in the midst of a storm. God is in control, and we are not. God is in charge, and we are not. And there is a whole tension of how do we exercise responsibility while not being in control, but that's another sermon for another day. For today, let's focus on our responsibility, which is to know and to trust the one who is in control. Be still and know that I am God. Finding peace comes from being still and knowing that God is God and I am not. Think of the particular storm that you're facing. Maybe it's a health issue, maybe it's a job issue, maybe it's a family issue. Think of that storm you're facing and say to yourself, and, and we'll say it out loud together, that God is in control and I am not. So say this with me, repeat this with me. God is in control and I am not. One more time. God is in control and I am not. We find peace by trusting the one who is in control. And wherever we are, if we are longing for peace, this is Christmas time, there's great news. Jesus Christ has come into this world to bring peace. Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace. Listen to these words from Isaiah 9. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. 
Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shined. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually, and there shall be endless peace. Jesus has come into this world to bring peace. Intuitively, we all know that this world is not the way that it ought to be. In many ways, the world is broken. Whether it's on the news or directly with our own eyes, we witness brokenness in our communities, in our relationships, in ourselves. In Hebrew, the word for peace is shalom. And shalom, it means not just the absence of conflict, but it's also the restoration of that which is broken to the way that it ought to be. And so Jesus addresses our brokenness by bringing us shalom, a peace that reconciles us to God. And so he does this in a way that only God can do. For you see, as a righteous judge, Jesus could easily just see us as a bunch of sinners and condemn us. Because it's written, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and for the wages of sin is death. But instead, he condemns our sins while at the same time forgiving us. And he does this by taking our sins upon himself and nailing each one of them to the cross so that we bear them no more, so that we can cry out, it is well, it is well with my soul. As Paul so eloquently said a few weeks ago, this is for you. Jesus' work of love restores things to the way they ought to be. Jesus' work of shalom peace restores us to who we ought to be. When God promised us peace, he gave us peace in the form of a person. Experiencing peace then comes when we get to know this person, when we get to know and trust Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, who has loved us and forgiven us and laid down his life for us. We get to experience Jesus when we embrace the forgiveness that he has for us. We need to dwell on the one who dwells with us. We need to be with Jesus. So what would it look like for you to be with Jesus? For some of you, it really begins with beginning a relationship with Jesus Christ. It means just, you know, that could begin with a simple prayer opening up your heart to him and inviting him in to be your savior and to be your Lord. And if that's you, you could pray something simple like this right now. Dear Jesus, I've sinned against you and against others. Please forgive me. I believe in you and today I choose to follow you. For others of you, Getting to be with Jesus means coming back to him. You see, even Jesus' early disciples struggled with believing and with following Jesus. And each time in grace and love, 
Jesus called his followers back to him. So for you this morning, maybe you find yourself back in the church and you feel a little uncomfortable because it's been a while. And maybe for some of you, you feel like you used to be a follower of Jesus, but now you're not sure anymore. Maybe for some of you, you're not sure what you believe or what you think. Maybe for some of you, you're struggling to wonder, do I still fit in in the family of God? In the name of Jesus Christ, the answer to that is yes. There is still room for you in this family. Because he has made room for you. If you feel like you're not sure about all these things, remember that the same Jesus who was willing to stand up on a little wooden boat in the midst of a storm to save his disciples, save his followers, is the same Jesus who was lifted up on a cross of wood in the midst of sinners who were taking his own life because he wanted to save them. Father, have mercy on them, for they know not what they do. Jesus has prayed this prayer for us. So for all of us, being with Jesus means making the time to be still and to know that I am God. We can set aside the God-sized expectations that we've placed on ourselves, and we can let Jesus Christ be God. So what I realized from my failed attempt at that plumbing issue is that there are just some jobs that we are not meant to do. For all of us who are longing for peace, let us ask ourselves, have we been trying to do a job that was meant for God alone? Are our efforts to fix things that only God can fix really just making a bigger mess of things? In the midst of our storms, instead of yelling at the wind and the waves and trying to control everything, will we call out to Jesus and ask him to bring us peace? So here's our one very simple and very short point of application before the musicians come up here. It's this. Take time today and every day this week to meditate on these words. Be still and know that I am God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are God and that we are not. Jesus, thank you for the ways that you bring peace in the midst of our storms. We pray this morning for all who aren't sure about their relationship with you. We pray that right now they would open up their hearts and invite you to come in. For all of us, Lord, striving to follow after you, let us invite you in. Let us realize that you are ready at home in our hearts, that you come into our lives. Let us recognize your power and your control there. So, Lord, we rejoice in you always. We say it again, rejoice. May our gentleness be known to everyone because you are near. Let us not worry about anything, but instead, Lord, we make our requests known to you through prayer and thanksgiving. And may your peace, God, which surpasses all understanding, guard our hearts and minds in you. And let our minds and spirits dwell in whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable. If there is anything excellent or worthy of praise, let us think about these things.
And let us keep on doing what we have learned from you. And may you, the God of peace, be with us. In the name of Jesus, we pray this.